It can be found in the leaflet or followed along on the screen. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Thank you, Lorinda. Now, while I just get myself sorted out up here, um, if you uh, perhaps haven't got your Bible with you or you haven't got an electronic device that will allow you to see a bit further in 2 Peter, um, can I suggest you perhaps try and grab a Bible. Um, there's some of the church Bibles on the sound desk there. Um, it would be good to have your your Bible or the ability to, to look a bit further. Things will be on the screen, but it would be great to just be able to make sure that what I'm saying is true. It's always good to make sure the preacher is being faithful to God's word. I feel like the world is out of control right now. Climate change, Brexit, Sudan, garden control, Syria, the refugee crisis, Trump, Boris, Zika, ISIS, the new gov- government, gender fluidity, and that's not even taking into consideration my own house. Hashtag status anxiety. This was a Facebook uh, status update from um, earlier this year from a friend of mine. Now, we live in a world of uncertainty, don't we? We don't have to look very far in the news, read the papers, look on social media. You know, things are uncertain. But has this not always been the case? Think of the time of the Roman Emperor Nero, who reigned between AD 54 to AD 68. He was in power about the same time when Peter probably wrote the, his, his letter. He was eccentric, excessive, compulsive and corrupt. He blamed the Christians for the great fire and Rome, which devastated a large part of the city. He used to take Christians, dip them in oil, tie them to a stake and set them alight to light his parties. But the accuracy of these accounts, which were written perhaps uh, 100, 150 years after his reign, some historians do question that. It's been said that we live in a post-truth age, but as the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us, there's nothing new under the sun. So Peter's readers, they live in a time of of social and political instability and uncertainty. And they also face, and this is within 30 or 40 or so years after Jesus' death, theological uncertainty. 
in the face of the false teachers that you could read about in chapter 2 of 2 Peter. So pretty much the problems we face today are the same or similar to those faced by Peter and his readers. Who and what can we trust? What can we be certain of? Do you ever feel all at sea when all else is uncertain and fluid? What is our firm foundation? What is our solid ground? Well, this morning, we're going to look at a solution that Peter gives. We're going to consider two ways of accessing that. And then I'll close by thinking about another reason why his solution is so important. Have a look at verse 10. I think that's the solution. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, this morning, I'm not going to go into the hows, whys and wherefores of the doctrine of election. You know, God's sovereignty, human free will, that's for another time. I think, ultimately, scripture does confirm that we are called and elected salvation by God, a gracious work of God. But what I think is interesting is how we make every effort to confirm something that God does. Do you notice it's slightly strange instruction he gives us? Well, the first thing, I think, the first part of the solution is ongoing growth. Now, can I just ask that I preached on this subject quite a bit last week. Who, who has seen their faith grow this week? Okay, all right. I might just get my sermon from last week and repeat that now. I mean, Peter's not afraid of repeating things that people already know. And, of course, um, Cameron wasn't here last week, was he? And we all know how much he needs to grow. (laughs) No, um, if if you weren't here last week and you'd like to to, um, listen to that sermon again, it should be, if it's not already up on the website, it should be fairly soon. If you look back from last week in verse 5, Peter encourages his readers to make every effort to add to their faith. And he gives a list of things that they should be thinking of adding to their faith. And he tells them this so that they will not be ineffective and unproductive. In today's passage, in verse 10, he tells his readers again to make every effort to confirm their calling and election. And the reason for this is so they won't stumble. I think the therefore at the beginning of verse 10, connects these two ideas. A transformative, actively growing faith will confirm what God has done for us. It's not that we earn our faith by growing, but we demonstrate, we confirm or ratify, if you like, our faith to ourselves and to the world around us. Now, this idea is... This can be seen in chapter 2 of the book of James, which a passage which you may be familiar with. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is out without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about it, about their physical needs, what good is it? 
In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by deeds, not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. We are saved by faith alone, but a saving faith is never alone. It will be accompanied by growth in good deeds and growth in Christ-like character. In addition, this kind of growth should highlight our limitations. The more we grow, the more we we should realise our need of what Christ has done for us and our need of the Holy Spirit, the source of power for change in our lives. So this ongoing growth should confirm our calling and election. The second thing that enables us to confirm our calling and election is to remember. And I think memory is the second thing that I'd like to look at. Have a look at verse 12 and the first part of verse 13. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, And you are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it right to refresh your memory. Now, in the Greek, the the literal translation is more like, I'm going to keep on reminding you of these things. Peter is talking about a future, ongoing reminder. Yet, Peter's readers are already firmly established. And they know these things. Why is he reminding them? Well, Peter knows as fallen people, we are prone to forget things from the most simple and basic to the really important. In verse 9, he'd already warned his readers or reminded them that anyone who is not growing in their faith has forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. But why reminders? Why memory? How does that specifically confirm our election and calling? Well, when we're comfortable and going on well in life, we can tend to forget that our circumstances are a blessing from God. We can think we've achieved this through our own skill and effort. On the other hand, when we face challenges or difficulties, sometimes we can forget God's past faithfulness. We only tend to see the detours and the dangers on the path ahead. So it's important for us to remember both the challenge ahead and the joy of victory in the past. And in them both, remember the presence of our travelling companion who has promised never to leave us or forsake us. Memory is also important as it's looking back to what Christ has done for us. We can do nothing for our own salvation. So, how does Peter do this? Well, this is where we're going to look ahead just a little bit beyond today's reading. The two things, I think, the two ways Peter does this and um, invokes our memory are testimony and scripture. Look at verse 16 and following. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. 
but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when a voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So Peter reminds his readers that he was an eyewitness of Jesus' life and in particular an eyewitness of the event called the Transfiguration. You may remember uh, the story, which is in, the, in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Jesus takes three of his disciples up a mountain where his appearance changes to a dazzling white. Two other figures appear, which we're told are Moses and Elijah, and they speak with Jesus. And then a cloud comes down, the, the cloud of God's presence, and a voice is heard saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, it's interesting. Why did Peter choose this event to talk about? Well, I think there's two reasons. This is one of the few incidents incidents where Peter was one of only three witnesses. And it it appears that Peter, together with James and John, were part of a small inner circle, a sort of They were were the leaders of the 12 disciples. And there's a few occasions where Jesus takes them with him apart from the others. The transfiguration was not something that all the disciples or the general public saw. So this is a special event that Peter was one of just a few special people saw himself. And there's not many things, not many people who could say they were there at the transfiguration. It's also, the second thing, is it's one of only two particular events where God himself confirms Jesus' identity. He kind of confirms Jesus' calling and election, who he is. And the other being Jesus' baptism. Our testimony of what God has done and is doing in our lives is so important Someone might want to argue the accuracy or the truth of events, but it's hard to argue with someone who was there. It's even harder to argue with the effect that those events had on a person. So our testimony is an important part of confirming our calling and election. Now, I think a really interesting example of this can be found in John chapter 9, John's Gospel. In the story of the man born blind, Jesus heals a man who's been born blind by making mud and putting on his eyes. And then he sends him to wash it off in the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem. As this occurred on the Sabbath, it really annoys the Pharisees. And so they question first the man and then his parents, trying to work out what happened, who did it, etc., They eventually go back to the man born blind, who of course has not yet seen Jesus. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. This is the Pharisees. We know this man is a sinner. The man born blind replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. 
there was his testimony that they cannot argue with. They, they checked with his parents. Is this your son? Is this really him? Was he born blind? Yes. One thing I do know. I was blind and now I see. And it's amusing that as the, as the interview goes on, that the Pharisees get more and more confused and, and angry and the man born blind becomes more confident in his answers. It's, it's a wonderful passage. And it's interesting that a little later on, Jesus seeks out the man born blind. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when Jesus found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man born blind asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Following the man's testimony to the Pharisees, it's as if Jesus seeks him out to confirm and reassure the faith of the man born blind. So that first thing to help us remember is testimony. The second is scripture. Scripture itself is littered with many commands to remember to mark certain events or warnings not to forget this. Forget what God has done for his people. We're going to keep on looking ahead in 2 Peter. In verse 19, he says, we, have also, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Of more importance than people's witness and testimony is the testimony of God himself through his word. Now, it's not entirely clear whether Peter's referring to what we now refer to as the prophets or he's referring to the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew scriptures that Peter would have known. Or is he referring to the apostles and his own writings Personally, I think he's probably referring to what we now call the Old Testament. But the truth he's speaking of does apply to the writing, all the writings of the New Testament. Our continued reading of God's word in scripture, both Old and New Testaments, should act, as Peter says, as a light in the darkness of the world and in, in our own hearts. And should speak to us as the bright star of a new day and new life in Christ. God's word is what we can cling to when circumstances or the feelings cause us to doubt our calling and election. It's completely reliable, Peter says, and we would do well to pay attention to it. It's why... The reading, the study and the proclamation of God's word is such an important part of who we are at Trinity Hills Church. 
in a world of instability and uncertainty. Make every effort to confirm your calling, Peter tells his readers. Our growth in our faith should bring us back to the cross and remind us of the truth of the gospel and the source of ongoing power for change. It should also demonstrate our calling and election as his disciples. Our ongoing, continuing remembrance, whether in terms of, in in the form of testimony or through God's word, should also establish again and again what God has done for us, is doing in our lives, and again, confirm our calling and election. For if you do these things, says Peter, you will never stumble. But there is another reason, a wonderful reason for confirming, making every effort to confirm our calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, Peter writes. But have a look again a bit further in verse 11. And you will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, in the uncertainty of this life, we're sometimes told, aren't we, aren't we, that the only certain things in life are death and taxes. Mind you, in these uncertain political times, well, even taxes seem unstable, uncertain. When you look at your tax bill, do you sometimes wonder how come Google and these Apple can get away with paying very little taxes because of the way they've set up their businesses? However, I've yet to meet anyone who's defeated the certainty of death. Even Peter realises this. Looking at verse 13 and 14, we read, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside. Peter knows his death is approaching. I mentioned at the beginning that we live in an unstable and uncertain world. But that's not our real problem, is it? Our real problem is the problem of sin that stains us, that prevents us from having that right relationship with God if it's not dealt with. It prevents us from the certainty of our future. If you're here this morning and you're not someone who trusts Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you're not only living in the uncertainty of this life, but you're living with an uncertainty of the life to come. For in Christ, not only are there resources to have confidence and be secure in this life, But God provides the certainty of an abundant, rich, lavish entry into his eternal kingdom. This isn't about sneaking in the back door as it closes and finding kind of standing room at the back behind a pillar. Scripture tells us that God's eternal kingdom, heaven, life to come, for those who trust in Jesus for their salvation, is a banquet It's a party. It's a wonderful celebration. Now, is that not worth investing a little bit of time and effort and thoughts about? Life is fragile and uncertain. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. He is calling to you. If this is you, 
please do come and speak to me after the service. Even if you do have questions or doubts or uncertainties. I pray that all of us here today will make every effort to confirm God's calling and election on our lives. In order that we would never stumble and that we would, re- that we would receive that rich, abundant welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.